The Water Values Podcast, Session 68. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGimsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As Joey said, I'm Dave McGimsey. Thanks so much for joining me. Before we head into today's interview, please do me a couple of favors. First, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes or any other podcast directory that you use. Second, please subscribe to the podcast on that directory. Third, please make sure you take the listener survey at thewatervalues.com and sign up for the newsletter there too. Uh, My final announcement before we get to today's interview is to check out Imagine H2O's California Public Policy Challenge. I had a great conversation with Nimesh Modak over there, and Imagine H2O is doing some great stuff. The Public Policy Challenge aims to find policy solutions balancing impact and political feasibility. So please check out the site, ImagineH2O.com, or you can Google it. Just Google Imagine H2O California Public Policy Challenge. Uh, And if you have an idea that you think could make a difference in the water policy sphere, please submit your idea to them. There are lots of great ideas out there, as we'll find out in today's interview. But you need to take the next step and submit it and get that idea some light. Get that idea heard. Uh, There's also a $25,000 award at stake, too. So please get to it and go submit your idea to the California Public Policy Challenge uh, that Imagine H2O is holding. Well, on to today's interview. Trevor Hill, the CEO of Fathom, joins the Water Values Podcast today. A great honor to have him on as as he's an in-demand speaker and he's well-known in water circles. So Trevor gets into some nitty-gritty technology adoption issues for water utilities. He provides some great insights into why utilities are slow to adopt technology and how he's worked to expedite the technology adoption process. Trevor's knowledge and experience really show through in this episode, so I really hope you enjoy it. With that said, let's get on with it. Open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. Well, Trevor, thanks so much for coming on to the Water Values Podcast. Really appreciate you taking some time this morning to speak with us. Uh, To start off, Trevor, could you tell us a little about your background and how you got interested in water? Sure. Good morning, David, and thank you for having me on your your show. Uh, I've got a bit of a funny story, but I started in the water business uh, actually as a naval officer. So back in the late 80s. I was a naval officer, traveled to some very arid parts of the world. And as a marine systems engineering officer on a ship, I was charged with the responsibility for water for the the ship's company. And at that time, we were transitioning from technologies that were flash evaporation technologies to reverse osmosis. So I had both the opportunity and the benefit of being responsible for water in a very dry place uh, deploying emerging technologies. And I think that's uh, what got me thinking about the certainty of future water scarcity. And I uh, spent the rest of my career uh, dedicated to water, but particularly eradicating water technology or water scarcity through through the adoption of technology. Okay, so, so how did you make the leap from, from being that uh, engineering officer in the Navy to to the water sector. I mean, what, what, what exactly are you doing these days? Yeah, well, what happened? So after that, I, I thought uh, the technologies I was using in the Navy were pretty uh, interesting. Uh, in the 90s, I'd built a company uh, focused on water reuse. 
using membrane technology. I found the sector to be very slow at adopting technology. So uh, my partners and I said to ourselves, well, if, if we own the utilities, we could put in any technologies and maybe go a bit faster. So over the last 15 years, we've owned utility companies. And uh, through the ownership of those, we were able to uh, look at a lot of technologies and adopt the ones we thought that were interesting very quickly. And as a consequence uh, of that, um, uh, we, we, were, we were in a position where we were uh, not only owning utilities, but looking at a lot of technologies, using them in our utilities, and, and started to make some, as you say, some leaps between what was possible and what the market, or the current status of the market. Okay, and you know one of the things I think that was pretty interesting. What you said was the 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 slow uptake or the slow adoption of technology, and so you actually solved that problem by going out and trying to acquire utilities. Let's let's look at the 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 reason or the rationale for why technology adoption is slow to uptake in the utility sector. And I think if if you can frame the market a little more. Uh, for us as well, I think I, I think that would really help uh, us understand exactly kind of what the technology adoption issues are in in the water industry. Well, sure, and, and I think it's a very important discussion. It's something that most uh, people don't really recognize, and often people say, you know, why is it that there aren't more interesting technologies, or why are utilities slow to adopt technology? And really, I was in the same boat. Uh, having gone from you know, building interesting projects in the 90s to operating utilities um, over the last 15 years and, 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 and through the formation of our company Fathom, um, this question really sort of haunted me. Like, what, why, what was it? And, and what I started to realize was that, and my thesis here really is that um, the market is massively fragmented in water. And and not only that, but it's mainly controlled by municipal interests, so cities and municipalities. So you have a situation where there are 56,000 water companies in the U.S. They're largely run by, uh, by municipalities, uh, but they're generally very small. And there hasn't been very much consolidation in our, in our field. So uh, and my partners and I consolidated utilities, we found it to be uh, tricky. And we started to ask ourselves the question, you know, why isn't there more consolidation in water? And I think the reason for this is, is that water's a local business. Uh, it's rate regulated by the jurisdiction of the utility or the state in which it's served. Um, but, but water's heavy. And as a function of that, it's there's not strong drivers to connect Denver and Phoenix together at any one time. In fact, there are strong disadvantages to doing that. And so as a function of that, every little utility company uh, has generally been uh, in a position where they could either connect to Denver Water or build their own or Phoenix or whatever the situation is. And so as a function of the way the nation was created, um, uh, water companies uh, tend to be very small. And as a function of their size, um, the, the uh, uh, 
ability to adopt interesting technologies at scale uh, is quite is quite challenged. And so what you find is a very large number of very small utilities uh, adopting technologies at a very um, at a very very slow pace, and generally um, because it's an essential service, uh, our our leadership, our risk-adverse decision-makers to the, to the most part. And so not only um, are the utilities small, but they're, they're run by, by, by uh, in most cases, decision-makers who are quite risk-adverse. And as a function of that, you have a very large sector uh, made up of a very large number of, of utilities. Um, most of them are very small. In fact, there's only 30, sorry, 300 utilities greater than 30,000 connections. So the vast majority of utilities are tiny. Sure, and, and do you have any insight into uh, why it has been so tricky to consolidate all of, or at least some uh, smaller utilities in, and I'm not talking physical consolidation, uh, just consolidation under the umbrella of a larger uh, entity is it, is it because that many of them are either government or quasi government owned and so they're not giving up the assets uh, is is that a big factor or what what do you see as the why it's been so tricky to to get these utilities to under under a single umbrella or l fewer umbrellas yeah i think that's i think that's certainly a part of it in, in the us um, most of those utilities as i mentioned are are owned by municipalities, and so there's a feeling that, uh, in many cases, that you know water is destiny, or water's used, been used to control uh, development or density, and so cities have been historically fairly reticent to give up their utilities. Now, in high growth areas or development areas where where we were acquiring utilities, those utilities were largely owned by developers, and so there has been uh, some consolidation. If you look at our are large utilities like American Water and Aqua America and those companies. Those are largely made of consolidating private and in some cases public utilities. But in the main, they've they've only uh, been able to consolidate a, a relatively small portion of the utilities that are out there. Most utilities have this feeling that they want to uh, run those uh, those those as, as a municipally operated utility uh, on behalf of their constituencies. Sure, and you also mentioned that that the lack of scale is a big hindrance uh, for the adoption of technology and technology uptake. Uh, what are some of the things we can do to help to help break down the walls so that scale is not as big of an issue in technology adoption? Are, are there are there things we can do to to just help that along? Yeah, so so it's true. The the issue in uh, what you find is that, therefore that is that there's a lot of small utilities, and and as a function of being smaller, uh, there's often very capable people in these utilities, but there's just not very many of them. So the the people that, for example, would be you know IT people that you might find in a large utility company in a big city. Uh, you often don't find in the small utilities. So, so it's the talent that is that's in these small utilities, and the budgets often uh, uh, aren't aligned to, you know, the adoption of technology. Plus, you often have guys who are just trying to run the utilities effectively, but don't have 
a real mandate to to take risks on emerging technologies. So one of the things that we said is we built Fathom, and as, as you recall, Fathom emerged from our regulated utilities. We bought 30 utilities uh, over a over a 10-year period, and all these utilities were small. And the, what we found was that the back offices were really quite uh, quite poor, quite inadequate. And my theory was is that wow, if you could put them all together as we did, uh, that you really got some great economies of scale. And it started to uh, lead me to believe that wow, I wonder if we could build a platform that was the gate, you know, a gateway for you know our meter to cash or meter to customer vertical and make it available to the whole sector, uh, hundred million meters uh, as a function of uh, the cloud and running business processes that were in most cases very similar. Like every utility I built, I bought had exactly the same business processes for running its billing operations. So this isn't the only business process in a utility, but it's one that's very similar between utilities. And so as a function of that, uh, we looked at it and we said, wow, I wonder if we could take that those business processes that were very similar and build a platform in the cloud that scaled to all of the utilities in the, in the, in the sector. Would we then be able to bring economies of scale to our, to our fragmented sector? And, and if so, were there some economies to, to be achieved? And, and sure enough, uh, it's been wildly successful. Um, now, utilities all across the U.S. are adopting um, Fathom as a way to manage their meter population and billing operations. And we are building and continue to build and invest in a platform that's much more like, like an AT&T or a big utility uh, type construct as opposed to the smaller operations that uh, in, in IT and back office that most utilities have. Sure. And so you're talking about Fathom there. I, I, could you expand on what exactly Fathom is? Uh, is it just providing back office software, you know, billing solutions, things like that? Or, or what all does Fathom do? Yeah, so Fathom emerged from our, from our regulated utilities as a way to bring economies of scale to our fragmented sector. Uh, Fathom is a software platform. It's in the cloud. It defines the vertical between meters and cash or meters and customers. And it really takes that vertical, which is fairly complicated, and runs all that metering and, and all the way, different ways to read meters, whether they're read manually or through drive-by meters or touch read or the latest kind of meter we have, which is automatic meter infrastructure, we call it tower-read meters, meters being read every hour or, or even every 15 minutes. It takes all that data, puts it in a common platform, in a common form, and then uh, through a series of applications that, that sit on top of the platform, we're able to then see very easily, for example, every meter in your meter population on a geospatial basis. Uh, then look at things like water balance or what we call virtual DMA, which is uh, a, a balance between what's pumped into a system and what's consumed. We can look at the health of the meter population, for example, now very simply, uh, how many meters in, this, in the system, how, how old are they? Are they running efficiently or, or sometimes are meters um, degrading in, in capability? And then run that through rate engines to generate bills, uh, interface with clients. And then some very sophisticated client-facing applications now that allow customers to see their own 
uh, consumption in real time, alerts and alarms. So we could say, hey, David, you know, it's uh, last night between midnight and 4 a.m. You used, you know, 5,000 gallons of water. So <laughs> if you, maybe you've got a leak in your system, you know, maybe you were having a party, uh, uh, you know, a pool party. <laughs> Who knows? But now we're, that we have, we can create insights into customer behavior and utility behavior as a function of harvesting the value of that data that sits in that, in that vertical. Everybody knows we need that, that data, but the question historically has been, how do you get it? How do you get it into the hands of the people who need their utilities and into our customers' hands? And to do that, you need sophisticated technology, and to do that, you need scale. So I knew that if I could get some scale in the thing, I could build a fabulous back office that, that the sector would appreciate. And, and that's what we're doing at Fathom. Now, Fathom is a, is a software company born from a regulated water utility. There's about 150 of us in, in Fathom. We've brought in some sophisticated uh, investors now and, and, and deployed a lot of capital in making that back office uh, super functional and high value for those utilities that we that we serve. But it's all about harvesting that data and driving revenue up, costs down, improving the customer interface with the utility. Sure. Well, so it sounds to me like by by creating this platform. Uh, you're able to offer it to utilities that may not have the scale to develop it themselves. You're able to offer them at not a, a discounted price isn't the right, but you're able to offer them the benefits of of the development of the software for a lower price than they could otherwise develop it themselves. Yeah, that's exactly right. And when you when you look at, I mean, probably today we've invested something like fifty million dollars in in this back office and. Just at that investment level alone, um, most utilities are precluded from the mix, even the very largest ones in water. Uh, even the largest water companies in the U.S., American Water, for example, has you know, a little over 3 million connections, is a relatively small division in an electric company. And then from there, we go down rapidly to um, a few hundred thousand connections, and, but mainly utilities in the U.S. are between you know, 2,500 and 3,000 connections. So there's just no way that these utilities could develop this technology on, on, on their own. And, and nor could they hire the kinds of people that we're hiring now, you know, software developers like you might find in, in uh, Facebook or Twitter or, or Skype or those kind of guys don't generally uh, historically migrate to the water sector. But, <laughs> you know, as we've done, you know, put, put four million or six million meters on the platform as we are and suddenly have a pretty a pretty interesting technology company and you know the software guys interesting the software guys who come now to to work in fathom they're like yeah we love software but we're also pretty interested in water and and so we're trying to make water a little bit sexier and we're bringing in that kind of talent that is attracted to you know software and software development and and so it's been fun because uh, you know, there's real meaning to to what we're doing. This is a very important issue, and I think the the guys are loving it because we have this chance to work on something that uh, you know it's not just how to order a pizza faster. It's uh, it's how to save the world's water. Uh, it's very important work. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. Now, how do you find the market? Because you know, revenues are declining at least at least the um, the volume of water sold is generally declining 
and so that means revenues are declining. And so how how are how does this uh, the, the conservation efforts of the utilities? How does that impact their use of a software service like Fathom? Yeah, well, it's very true what you say. The revenues are declining and have been for many years across the U.S. for a variety of reasons, but primarily, I believe, it's the beginning of some price elasticity. So as price goes up a little bit, um, people tend to consume a little less, and then you have people like California that are required to use less, and the combined effect of that has driven down per capita consumption. But in Fathom, and what we found in most utilities is that it's very hard to track your meter population. And so generally speaking, one of the reasons people buy Fathom is that revenue goes up as a function of improving the quality of your data. So oftentimes utilities don't have all the meters exactly right in the billing system that, are, that reflects their full meter population in the field or those meters have declined over time or degraded in their capability to capture every gallon of flow. So one of the reasons people buy Fathom is that it drives revenue up and quite materially. Historically, revenue goes up between five and 25% immediately in utilities, and that's by cleaning up the data. So whereas revenue is going down in utilities as a function of things we discussed, revenue can go up immediately as a function of cleaning up the data. So you have a nice uh, a nice way to say, okay, we're all going to use less water, but now we're going to find all the revenue available, and, that's, and that, that can be very, very material for utilities. Then, because of economies of scale, uh, you know, in our billing vertical, but you'll, you'll, you'll chuckle at this, but uh, when you think about the the, bill, the billing vertical in a in a in a phone company, uh, so reading your data and, and generating a bill and sending it to your customers and managing remittance, that cost for AT and T or Verizon or somebody probably costs about a dollar per bill per month. That billing vertical execution in the water sector, because of the technology we have and some of the manual operations that are in that vertical, that vertical costs about $10 per bill per month. So 10x uh, as a function of diseconomies of scale. In Fathom, we bring economies of scale to the fragmented sector. And so uh, as a function of that, we can materially reduce the cost of operations of that vertical in water utilities. So that's the that's the, the second benefit for for utilities, first revenue goes up, getting the data sorted out and figuring out how the, for the health of all the meters and that tidied up. The next piece is materially decrease the cost of operation because of scale and the sophistication of the vertical. And in that vertical allows for customers to go online and pay their bill, see their account. What happens in small utilities, a lot of the call volumes that come in are just to pay a bill. And so if you can automate that and what we call channel shift like the airlines or the banks do we can get in see your account manage your transactions pay your bills set up a payment plan those kind of things you can automate those processes then you take significant costs out of utilities so the third area that fathom helps utilities is that it drives customer satisfaction materially higher as a function of self-serve sure and and let me ask a couple of questions about you. With all this data, it sounds like the the utility needs the AMI system implemented, or 
first, or is that kind of a, a package deal with, with what Fathom is uh, providing? Well, it's interesting. When you think about the power sector and where AMI is, or automatic meter reading, where we're reading meters every every 15 seconds or, or, or more often, and the utilities use that data to help educate their customers or to uh, price off-peak uh, power, for example. Um, so AMI and power is quite well established in the market, and we say it's on 75 or 80% of the meters in the U.S. Uh, have some form of smart metering. In the water sector, it's not that way. Um, the AMI or tower red infrastructure is on something like 5% of the meters in the U.S., so a relatively small number. And we and, and interestingly, where you find it is on the bigger utilities. So my thesis is, is that uh, it's not adopted because even though that technology, and, and there's quite good technology out there, can read meters often, uh, the utilities can't use the data in most cases. So utilities say, you know, great, I'd love to have hourly data in my water utility, but I can't use it for my operations. So what we're doing at Fathom is making that data useful for utilities. And as a function of that, when the question you ask, so if you have manual meters in your utility and you're thinking about AMI, well, what you need is a, as a migration pathway, you need a way to go from manually read meters, the, the guys on the clipboards, to, uh, to, to potentially drive by meters. That's where people want to go in some cases, or they want to jump right to AMI. But before you do that, you have to have a way of managing that meter population and making the data useful through the rest of the utility verticals, the ways that operators use that data and the consumer uh, vertical. And so utilities now are saying, okay, well now I'll put Fathom in right now. So even if I have manual meters or maybe all AMR meters like American Water, um, the, it, what it does is it creates a pathway where you can then put on some AMI meters. Maybe your city wants to put on AMI meters on the high value commercial meters or those meters that are, are for gated communities or hard to read meters, whatever the drivers are. Now Fathom provides a way where you can have all different kinds of meters reading at all different rates, some hourly, some daily, some drive-by, and it puts all that data into a format that's geospatially driven and what we call canonicalized, so it all looks exactly the same. And then those applications you want to put on it, whether they're uh, to drive efficiency in your operation or for your guys in the field or for your customer operations, then you have a pathway to to not only adopt more of that technology, but harvest the value of that data uh, in your day-to-day -day operations. And I think that's why EMI has been so slow to be developed, to be, to be uh, uh, adopted in our sector. It, I'll give you an example. Um, in Global, where, where we had a Global Water, where we were adopting this technology, we were able to get all the data and, and uh, and you know, got all the metering uh, uh, infrastructure in the field, but there was no software out there that would use that data, uh, all the 720 reads or an hour, you know, read every, every hour. There was no software that could make that data useful for me in my billing operations. And that's why we built it, to fill that gap. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. When I've talked to some utility leaders about it, they said, well, uh, about AMI adoption, they said, well, what are we going to, how, how are we going to manage all this data? What are we going to do with it? And so that was a, that's a big stumbling block, I think, for some utilities 
Uh, and it sounds to me like Fathom has has answered that question. Um, well, in, in all your experience uh, with technology adoption in the utility sector, what are some ideas that you might have for speeding technology adoption in, in circumstances beyond beyond Fathom? And just because because there's a ton of great technologies out there but the adoption uptake is so slow they may be dying on the vine. So do you have ideas for how we can speed technology adoption in the utility sector? Yeah, I really do. And, and uh, it's, it's one of these areas of, of, uh, of a lot of passion for me and my partners. For years we've seen, you know, really great technologies coming out of um, the U.S., but also Israel and Australia, Canada. And, you know, I always say, and I, I get asked to, to talk about this on panels and whatnot, and I always say there's no shortage of technologies in the water sector. There, There's a shortage of business models and channels to market. So when you think about your some, you know, you've, you, you and your scientific partners have developed a little technology, and now you're, you've tested it, and you're all focused on the technology, and it's great. And then you go out there and you think, okay, now it's time just to take this out to the market. And what you find is that there's a lot of utilities, like we say, 56,000. They're quite risk averse. So they're not very interested in saying, hey, David, I'm going to take your new technology and put it, put it in service today. And so that sales cycle and that, that, that adoption cycle is very, very slow. And oftentimes those great technologies uh, die uh, in that process of trying of getting across what we often call the valley of death or that commercialization um, uh, process, getting from, uh, you know, oftentimes a very good technologies would try to bench test it and proven to commercial viability can take a long time and a lot of investor capital. And even the guys who raised a lot of capital have often died in the sales cycle as a function of, of this issue. So, one, so I, I've got a few ideas, and, I, and I'm actually trying to help uh, in a couple of ways. But what I think is important is that uh, us in the utility sector, we have to recognize that you know, water's an essential service. These guys who run our utilities are not in the business of taking risks on, on new technology. And so for presenting technologies to utilities, we have to be very thoughtful about, about how that's done. And one of the ways we've done that is by... Uh, not only changing the business model, which, make, which makes it very low risk to adopt our technology. So we call that risk transfer, right? actual risk transfer. We'll put our money where our mouth is. But the business models are designed so that the, the barriers to entry are, are very low. So cities can adopt incrementally. They can try it and, and see, uh, and they can do it in a, in a fully risk-free way. And, and so that starts the process. But for little utility companies come out of Israel or Australia, it's still an issue. So what we've done in Fathom, and I think it's really exciting for, for us, but also for a lot of utilities is that, and for a lot of technologies, is that there really is a need in utilities to, to adopt technologies that increase revenue or decrease costs or, or improve the operational efficiency of utilities or improve the customer journey. Um, but it's difficult. So in, in Fathom, what we've done is created what we call the Fathom Store. And, and what that basically allows us to do now is take our platform, which is on you know, 5 million meters, something like that today, and, uh, and, 
and provide a, a way for technology providers to code to our API. So what that means is that as to, as they're entering the sector and they're trying to figure out how, okay, how am I going to address this massive addressable market, one way they could do it is through Fathom. So instead of having to go to you know, hundreds of municipalities and, and try to sell directly to these decision makers, they can clip into the Fathom store and suddenly uh, that technology is available uh, to all of our clients instantaneously. And what that does is it provides... Uh, a channel to market. And so Fathom is both a technology stack defining that vertical we talked about, meters to customer, meters to cash, but it's also a channel for emerging technologies to access the market. And, and, and we think by tweaking the business model and having that scale, uh, we'll both accelerate the adoption of technologies, but make it simpler for for utilities to adopt a, a, a wide range of technologies more quickly. So it can be quite symbiotic. And, and this is one of the things we're, we're doing primarily to, 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 as you say, accelerate adoption of technologies in our sector. Fantastic. Well, Trevor, you've been absolutely fantastic today walking us through all these issues uh, with technology adoption and using Fathom as a great example. Uh, for those folks who want to find out more about you and about Fathom, where can they go to get that information? Well, absolutely, David. I appreciate uh, the time very much. Um, please, uh, anyone can call uh, call us. Um, you can see our website at www.gwfathom, so gwfathom.com, uh, or you can you can always call call me directly. Uh, 623-203-8667 is my cell phone. So I'm available. Call me anytime. Uh, we're very passionate about what we do in the water sector. We're trying to make a difference. Uh, it can only be done through partnerships in my mind. So I am working with uh, most of the meter manufacturers in the sector, the big engineering firms, many, many technology companies. And together, uh, I think we can move move the needle. So I'm excited, uh, David, and I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, it's fa it's fabulous, and uh, let's get let's get the word out there. And and uh, I I very much look forward to chatting with you again one of these days. Oh, you bet, Trevor. You bet. Thanks again. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. You bet. Well, I hope you liked that conversation with Trevor Hill of Fathom, and I hope you can tell what I meant earlier in the podcast when I indicated that Trevor's knowledge and experience uh, would really show through in the interview. And he was great to work with also in getting the interview put together. Terrific guy. Uh, here's my takeaway from the interview. I'll just leave you with one today. Water is heavy. Those are the first words I ever heard Trevor speak when I met him initially at a, at a water conference a while back. You know, that water is heavy sets the stage for all the challenges, challenges we really face in the water industry today. Uh, it explains why the water industry is fragmented. It explains, you know, why it's been so difficult to gain economies of scale in the water industry. It explains why water infrastructure is expensive both to operate and for initial construction. Because water is heavy, the industry is more fragmented. Uh, you can't, you know, move water long distances. So water becomes a local issue. Uh, Trevor mentioned the 50,000-plus water utilities in the U.S. multiple times, and that fragmentation makes it difficult to gain those economies of scale. You know, interesting and interestingly enough, I'm reading uh, 
uh, Great by Choice by Jim Collins. And one of the themes about innovation that I noted early on in the book was that great business leaders aren't simply good at innovation per se. There's lots of people that are good at innovation. But what what makes great leaders uh, and great companies is that those leaders and companies are great at scaling that innovation, taking it to the next level, not just having the great idea. And that's what the water industry needs as we face a future of rising costs and increasing scarcity for water, this tremendously important resource. You know, it sure seems like like Trevor has found that sweet spot of scaling that innovation. And hopefully that means good things ahead for both him and for the water industry. Uh, well, that wraps it up. You can find the show notes for this session at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod 68. Please let me know what you thought of the interview by leaving a comment at thewatervalues.com. You can also tweet at me at DTM1993 or tweet about the podcast using the hashtag watervalues. And thanks again for your listenership. You're greatly appreciated. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning into the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Colorado and Indiana, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. And information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.